What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 27 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolillo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. And Core, NFL Draft just happened this past weekend. We got a lot to recap. You ready? Of course, I'm ready. Let's get to it. Yeah, listen, I think the big story, especially in the first round, was offense, and offensive players were flying off the board. And with offense comes quarterbacks, you know what I mean? These guys are the facilitators on that side of the ball. And we had five of them go in the first round. And I feel like we'll start with this first and then kind of get into more of our draft recap teams that we like. But listen, it starts with the quarterback. That's the way the NFL is going. So we'll start with the quarterbacks. Obviously, we expected the first two guys to come off the board. But I mean, kind of goes into our first big surprise of the draft. I think that some people may say this isn't a surprise because they were like, well, obviously, San Francisco is going to take the guy with the most upside at number three. But listen, San Francisco takes Trey Lance out of North Dakota State at number three. I want to hear your thoughts on that, Corey. Were you a little bit surprised about that? See, I mean, the day of the draft, somehow, like, the rumor was getting out, and, like, I really wasn't that surprised. I, would, I wouldn't say surprise is the word. I know he had about, I think, what, it's like 318 career passing attempts. I just think that's a, that's a high risk for the 49ers. I mean, I trust John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan. They've definitely done their homework. They're, they're both really smart guys, and they've built up the San Francisco 49ers team, so I trust them. But to pick a guy with 318 passing attempts in his whole career at a Division One FCS school, I mean, that, that's a high risk. But, I mean, let's say this, if this guy turns to be the next Patty Mahomes, then, then they did their job. doesn't matter what Justin Fields or Mac Jones did. So that, that's my, my take on it. Listen, my take on it is what scared me about the 49ers that it really felt like they were so in love with Mac Jones that it like couldn't be a smokescreen. Because, I mean, ultimately, that's what it was, right? They kind of hid from the fact. I mean, up until the last day, kind of Trey Lance obviously was like in the conversation. But I feel like UX. 10 people, nine people are saying, all right, it feels like at least Mac Jones is going to the 49ers, not who they think should. I remember when that trade happened, when the 49ers moved up, it seemed that it was either for Mac Jones or Trey Lance because of the timing of that trade with the pro days. And even I said at that time, I was like, listen, you can be conservative and go get Mac Jones, or you can get this prospect who you can develop Trey Lance. And he has just so much natural talent and natural ability that like when you put him with a guy like Shanahan, I mean, the 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 sky's the limit. This guy has so much untapped potential. And I think that's one of the biggest things. I know Trey Lance, they were saying uh, the 49ers felt that also he was the most intelligent quarterback in the draft. So I guess that's something definitely that kind of assured them that he was the right fit for them. And yeah, I think with Kyle Shanahan, I think it's interesting. I love how the 49ers kind of, they don't think they can win a Super Bowl, it seems like, with Jimmy Garoppolo. So you know what? Don't try to like be this like pretend contender. Kind of, you know what I mean? Like, just ri- like I, lo- I love their strategy of, all right, let's risk it. Let's go with Trey Lance because, I mean, that's a guy who you bet on. I mean, his athleticism is unbelievable. Like you said, not a whole lot of college experience. And that kind of brings me to this other thing. People are saying, oh, I don't th- – like, Trey Lance might not be game ready yet. Trey Lance, like, oh, might not – might sit here. Listen, you, you trade two future ones. You move up in the draft to take Trey Lance. If you ask me, I think there's – like, he has to play. I know he might not be 100% ready, but listen, that's why you're the 49ers. You have a great defense. You have a phenomenal running game. Trey Lance is already a good athlete that he can rely on his legs early in his career. I think like, I, I think from day one, you have to give him a shot and let him grow because that's the only way he's going to get better. He hasn't played he played one game in the past calendar year. He hasn't played enough against high-level competition. The only way for him to grow is to, is to get game reps and play. So I think if you're the 49ers, you play him right away. Yeah, I mean, make some make some valid points there. I think you trade up to the third pick like that, and you get your so claimed guy in, in Trey Lance. I I kind of agree. I think I'm not necessarily sure he should be the starter from day one, but I I still think that it's kind of, it's it's a tough position. It's similar. All right, I'm not gonna compare it to it, but last with the Dolphins last year, like Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing really good. The team was doing good. And then they bring in Tua. He doesn't do as good as, as good as Fitzpatrick. I mean, the team's still winning. I could see a situation. If, if he doesn't start right away and Jimmy G, like, is starting, I could see the team get off to a good start if they're healthy. Then you bring in Lance, and then it's just, like, a complicated situation. I honestly agree with you. I think if you give him the start from day one, I yeah, you give him the start from day one, and if he's showing like he needs some time, then you put in Jimmy G. I think you trade up those picks 
he should be he should be your guy and he should have the confidence to know that that he is your guy from day one honestly yeah listen i think when the dolphins made that move too they kind of like looked at themselves and they were like listen we don't think we're gonna win a super bowl this season even if ryan fitzpatrick like starts the season like we we may be a little better this season which i think the dolphins may have been a little better maybe they win an extra game right if Fitzpatrick starts the rest of the way and they just never even bring in Tua. But now look what now now look at where Tua is going into year two with some game reps under him compared to where he would have been if he never started before. You know what I mean? Now it's less of an unknown with him. You kind of like know a little bit about like what his strengths are, at least at the NFL level. So I think as a, from a long-term plan for the Dolphins, that benefits him. So I think that also comes down to what the 49ers value. Do the 49ers like, I think the 49ers, if you ask me, are a championship contending team. So from that point of view, maybe, yeah, maybe it makes a little bit more sense to start Jimmy Garoppolo in the beginning while he's probably more ready. Obviously, he's more ready, but you know what I mean when Trey Lance isn't ready. But I don't know. I think that by making this trade, you're signaling that you're, go- like you're going bigger, you're going home. So you know what I mean? Like, why not just let Trey Lance go out there? But uh, listen, Trey Lance will always be compared now to Zach Wilson probably because the Jets passed up Trey Lance. Not that it was much of a decision, but more so Trey Lance will always now be linked into Justin Fields and Trey Lance will always be linked into Mac Jones. And now Justin Fields and Mac Jones, they slid a little bit. I personally am very surprised. I think that there was getting a lot of rumblings. I personally thought that you'd see five quarterbacks in the top 10, but when Mac Jones not going to San Francisco, um, Carolina and Denver, both passing up on quarterbacks, our next quarterback didn't come off the board till number 11 and Justin Fields and Cora, I know you've been high on Justin Fields and what he can do. And how do you feel about him landing in a place like Chicago? Yeah, I, I got to give Chicago some credit. I know a few weeks ago, probably no, it was probably close to like two months ago. We were talking about, about the bears who we like, they, they squeaked into the playoffs last year with Nick Foles. Now they signed Andy Dalton and they were we, we were like, yeah, they're settling for mediocrity at best. And they go out, they trade up a little, they see a window, they go get their so-claimed franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. And quite frankly, I I love it. I'd like that um, them being aggressive, go out and get Justin Fields. I know they told Andy Dalton he, he was the starter, but, you know, it's a business. He might start in the beginning. And, yeah, I, I, like, I like the pick. I think Justin Fields at 11 is, is great value because I think he – should have been the third pick, but the 49ers know what they're doing. And I think if you're Justin, Justin Fields after throwing six touchdowns against Clemson and, and having two two great seasons at Ohio State and you fall to 11 with three quarterbacks going ahead of you, I think he, he's got to have like a major chip on his shoulder saying like a guy at three got picked ahead of me who had 300 career passing attempts and I'm out here balling against Clemson. I think I think it's a great great pick. I hope he succeeds and he'll definitely be motivated in Chicago. Yeah, I think, listen, I think with Matt Nagy potentially on his last year of his deal or potentially in his last year because it is the last year of his deal and Ryan Pace as well, they knew they needed to hit a home run and they need they knew they needed to do something because, listen, Andy Dalton was not going to cut it. And yeah, they give up a future first, but bringing in a prospect like Justin Fields, I think he also has to start from day one in Chicago and let, like I said, let him grow because, listen, that's a good roster and I think that potentially if Justin Fields can reach that status that some people think he can. I mean, like you said, Justin Fields coming into the year was this was the second quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. He falls a little bit with a couple bad games, maybe on tape in the pre-draft process. Some teams fall more in love with Trey Lance, but I think Justin Fields is a great player. I'm happy as a Giants fan though, that they, that the bears, we do own the bears 2022 first round pick, but overall I think both parties will be happy with this trade and especially bears fans. I think bears fans, in all are the big winners of this because they needed something. I know Twitter, like a couple months ago when they signed Andy Dalton, they were like QB one. And there was a picture of Andy Dalton. And I mean, that was on old takes exposed after, you know what I mean? You bring in Justin Fields now, cause it's not a clear cut conversation anymore. Poor Nick Foles. Nick Foles now does not stand a shot to touch the field, but that's for a different day. And our last quarterback, Mac Jones. I mean, if you would have looked at Mac Jones, like coming out of college and like right around, like, before the rumblings with the 49s, I would have been like, people are like, oh, the Patriots at 15. That seems like the most obvious spot. And you know what? Sometimes it's that easy. I mean, it took a, it took a roller coaster to get there. But Bill Belichick finally hopefully has his successor to Tom Brady. And uh, like, what, do you, what do you think about 
Now, Mac Jones going into New England after kind of a year of using Cam Newton, implementing different stuff with the quarterback run game. Maybe we were thinking that Trey Lance or Justin Fields now could potentially take that quarterback run game, like some of those packages to the next level and obviously play more of a traditional thrower role than Cam Newton was playing. But now Mac Jones is more of that old school quarterback. And how do you think he will fit in New England? Yeah, on last last episode, we did the, the full mock draft. I actually had Mac Jones going to the Patriots as he fell. And yeah, I, I like the, the system that he's in. I explained last time, I think he's going to, um, he's going to a system where he should succeed with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. And I think the Patriots are a good team. If, if they could uh, bring back, you know, they had a lot of guys opt out on the, on the defensive side of the ball, but I think the last, I mean, last time they took, they take Tom Brady not really a mobile quarterback the rest of his history. I'm not comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady, but I think this probably was one of the better situations that, that could have ended up for Mac Jones. And I think he's a little bit different. I don't think, like you're saying, Trey, Trey Lance probably should start from day one, same with Justin Fields. I think Mac Jones, a little bit different. I, I don't expect him to start from day one. I think Cam Newton will start. But I think in long term, I think Mac Jones was uh, is a great fit for the for the Patriots. And I think um, he even said on the on the draft when he got drafted, he's like, this is where I wanted to go. I think he knows that, too. So, yeah, like I like the fit. Yeah, listen, in New England, Mac Jones can play more of complimentary football. He doesn't have to carry everybody around him kind of similar to what he did at Alabama because Alabama had a ton of playmakers on the outside. Crazy to think that Mac Jones now. Probably the best receiving core you could argue that Mac Jones will play with was actually in college. Like, I don't think it'll top um, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, and Meshi. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, crazy to think about. Because, I mean, Meshi probably will be, might be a first-round pick next year. So, yeah, yeah. for his first round, he's play with, obviously, Najee Harris in the backfield as well. But, yeah, New England, I think, was a good spot for him. He, he also thinks it is a good spot for him. And I'm going to disagree with you, though. I think he's going to start. I think he's going to start week one, too. And maybe it's this thing. I, I just personally think that if you're going to spend that much like capital, a first round pick or more on a quarterback, like let's see what he has early and let him grow because you're just not going to get bet that much. If you ask me, I think you're you're like um, you can grow so much more from playing in games and watching film and critiquing certain things like, yeah, it's, maybe it's not necessarily a great idea to just throw a rookie QB into a, into the fire. But I feel like in all three of these circumstances, these guys are going to teams that are like going to compete for playoffs. Like these guys aren't going into situations where like th- if like they were being a rookie quarterback on the Texans right now, where the Texans have more, a bottom three roster in the NFL, a new head coach. Like, I mean, you have Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan, and uh, I mean, Matt Nagy's a pretty good offensive coordinator. Like, I know he's a head coach. Matt Nagy's a pretty Matt Nagy's a pretty good offensive play caller, excuse me. So, you know what I mean? Like, all three of these quarterbacks are in pretty, like, good systems where that they're not, like, X to carry a team from a rookie. And that's why I don't think you're just throwing them into the fire. So, let them grow. That's personally how I see it. But now, listen, all these QBs are going to be linked forever and kind of how, you know what I mean? Like, oh, who passed on who? Kind of, we always look back at that 2018 draft class now. We're like, Wow, maybe if the Jets could redo it. And honestly, if the Browns could redo it, they'd probably both go with Josh Allen or even Lamar Jackson. You know what I mean? Lamar Jackson it was the fifth quarterback taken in that draft, and he's the only one with an MVP award. Josh Allen, if you ask me, I think Josh Allen I, – I think I'd probably take Josh Allen number one over Lamar Jackson, but, I mean, it's a pretty good debate for another day. But I'm curious to see I'll, – I'll actually start first with this. I think, obviously, Trevor Lawrence in the, is in this complete other category. I think we expect him to be amazing. and We honestly don't praise him enough for how good we expect him to be and how good he really is. But then I think out of these next group of four guys, I personally love Trey Lance's fit in San Francisco. I felt that whoever honestly went to San Francisco has, I mean, has the best chance for the most successful career. I don't think that's I don't think that's like anybody would really like argue that because of what they'd have to work with in San Francisco. But yeah, I think couple Trey Lance's upside with Kyle Shanahan, how much of a quarterback guru he is. I mean, this guy has, I, I can't even, I can't begin to like just imagine how dominant he could be in San Francisco. And then I think Zach Wilson, a lot of that depends on how Joe Douglas surrounds him. I know we'll get to that in a little bit in kind of the Jets draft. But, yeah, I think that Trey Lance has a chance to be the second-best quarterback from this draft, and especially landing in San Francisco just helps that so much more. 
No, I definitely agree. I know the 49ers, they just have a really good offensive system. Like, even running backs, you plug in a running back to that system, and they're rushing for eight yards of carry. They just, that's just a great, greatly organized offense, and a lot of guys are able to succeed. And that's why a guy like Trey Lance, if he does start from day one, I would definitely not be surprised if he has a better rookie season than Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson going to the Jets. Uh, I know they try, like, bolstering the O-line and helping them with some weapons. But still, at the end of the day, that offense, it's just not not a great offense. And right now, Trey Lance, there's no doubt, is obviously in a better situation. So I would not be surprised if he had a better season. And then, yeah, Fields and Mac Jones as well are both in better situations than Zach Wilson. I mean, that's how it usually should be. If, if, if you're the top quarterback, you, you're going to get picked by a worse team and a worse system. I mean, these guys fell later down in the draft and got taken by better teams. So I would not be surprised, looking back at this, if if a guy like Zach Wilson does not put up the same the same numbers as Trey Lance or Justin Fields if he's starting, or Mac Jones if any of those guys are starting. I, I think Zach Wilson, I'm not saying he's going to struggle, but I don't think it's going to be like a smooth ride in his rookie season. I think Zach Wilson going to New York, I think that's kind of more, it's it's like, it's kind of be like a project that just the Jets have not been a place where many quarterbacks have succeeded recently. So I think that might be a little bit of a journey in New York. And I don't know how he's going to do in his rookie season. Yeah. Wilson definitely faces a little bit more of an uphill battle in that retrospect compared to the other three quarterbacks who were drafted later than him. But listen, we kind of have shed a lot of light on the quarterbacks leading up to the pre-draft process. And now, even in the beginning of this episode, let's try to shed some light on some other sleepers in this draft and some guys who are overlooked in this past draft. Core, I'll start with you. Give me give me one of your sleepers on this past draft. Someone who went later than you expected and someone who's going to ball out in their new home. I mean, I don't know why he fell, but I mean... Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa is probably going to be the second best linebacker behind Michael Parsons in this draft. He falls all the way to 52, where he gets drafted by a playoff team on a good, like a pretty good defensive team. I think he, like I said in recent episode, I don't know, I think I've said he, he kind of is similar to a guy like Isaiah Simmons. Like he just, like, He's very versatile player, so I expect him to to thrive in a in a system with with the Browns coming off a uh, a trip to the AFC divisional divisional round. I think him falling to 52, you get a first round talent there. I think that's big to help your defense when you're already a playoff team. Yeah, I did see after the draft. I think actually today I saw something about this. He did have some like heart concerns actually that a couple teams did take him off the board because they thought that it was serious enough. So that's definitely something that a lot of doctors, some some teams probably didn't get, give their front office the go with him, which is unfortunate because of how good of a player Koromoa uh, is. But at 52, the Browns, if he could stay healthy and if that condition is just a, a worry, let's say. I mean, they get an absolute steal at 52. The Browns added Greg Newsom in the first round, a cornerback from Northwestern, and Koromoa, a linebacker in the second round. I think you could argue that they had the best rounds one and two, talent-wise at least, of anybody in this draft. I'll go with another surprise. This might be a little bit of a homer pick. Another guy who a couple days before the draft, some things came up about his knee that, all right, maybe he'll fall out of the first round. But there was time, there was a time at number 11 where it felt that if the Giants reached that edge rusher, they would take Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. Maybe, and that seemed a little crazy, but with the need, it didn't seem that crazy. When they moved back to 20 during the draft, I think a lot of Giants fans would have been like, all right, if we take Aziz Ojolari here, would not be mad. That'll help our pass rush. The Giants get him at pick 50, and not only do they get him at pick 50, they also pick up an additional third rounder trading back in the second round. I think that was a job well done. Ojolari, as I've said many times, was a wreaked havoc off the edge at Georgia. He's a speed rusher. He can be versatile in the fact that he can drop into coverage and fit perfectly in Patrick Graham's system. So, like I said, it might be a little bit of a homer pick, but I think Ojolari, I think a lot of people can say that Ojolari at 50 is insane value. Yeah, definitely agree. I think, I mean, I I thought he was going to go in the first round. I could have saw him going to potentially Baltimore in 
It, I, they had two late first round picks. I thought they were going to go wide receiver and edge. And I, I just thought that if Aziz Ojolari was there, they, they would, they would take him. But instead they go an, a DN, I'm not to pronounce it like Owe, Odafe Owe from Penn State. But yeah, I Yo, he, did he switch? Wait, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Did he switch his name? It was Jason Owe the whole time. And like, like, I guess his real name is, I, I didn't even know his real name. And I saw it today. I was like, who is this guy? I was like, I thought it was Jason Owe who got picked by the Ravens. I was so confused. This guy just changed his name after the draft. Try to, I don't know. He's. I could have sworn he got announced as Jason too on the draft. I think it did, honestly. I'm not sure. Yeah, it did. Yeah, exactly. It says right here, Jason Owe will be known as Odafe Owe in the in the NFL. All right, shout out to the legal team who got his name changed, who got it out pretty quick. You know what I mean? Good, good for them. Good for, and good for ESPN being prepared because I mean now I look at it and it does say Odafe, so that's off. Sorry to cut you off there. I just thought that was very peculiar. Now yeah, you're good. I was gonna tell you, yeah, Ojalari, I think falling to fifty is a, similar to Kamoru or whatever. The the guy, yeah, went to the who went to the Browns, but yeah, a guy at fifty, another guy who probably was supposed to go first round falls to fifty. Despite injury, I think at, at the fiftieth pick, if you get a guy like that, you you gotta take him the talent there. And with the se- second round pick, they get a fiftieth uh, overall, already gaining an additional pick. I think the Giants did really well after getting a, a playmaker in Kadarius Tony at number twenty. Yeah, I think we'll touch on the Giants in a little bit here as well. But uh, one thing about Aziz Ojolari's knee injury, too, Dr. James Andrews, one of the most famous doctors, I feel like, in the world, did clear him, and they said his medical's checked out, so it shouldn't be a problem. So that's good. Uh, I have a couple more sleepers here that I'll shed some light on. Core, your boy Trey Sermon in the third round, I think, goes probably to running back heaven in San Francisco. I think he has to absolutely love that. Another guy, before after you touch on Sermon, is Ohio State teammate Sean Wade. I believe he went... In the fifth of the sixth round, I want to say. I, th- I want to say it's the fifth round. He went to Baltimore. And, I mean, listen, Sean Wade had a tough year in 2020. He opted back in late. They moved him to boundary corner from where he played nickel corner in uh, 2019. And he struggled on the outside. But, I mean, if they could get him back inside uh, playing in Baltimore, we know how good their coach is there. I mean, he his potential to definitely outplay his draft slot. Yeah, I mean, if this guy – Went to the went to the 2020 draft pick. He, he's probably a first or uh, probably a first round pick cornerback. Probably, yeah. yeah. He falls to the the fifth round, and that's another another great value for for the Ravens to get to get a guy like that. I know he didn't have a great season. I know he was talking about Devontae Smith in that national championship game. Hmm. It didn't really work out, but you know, I think a guy like that falling to the fifth round after supposing to be a first round pick the year before i think you get uh you get a lot you get a little humbled so hopefully he comes out and outplays his draft stock because you know the talents there just didn't didn't really get the job done this year and yeah trey sermon the guy going the third round to the to the san francisco 49ers i mean this guy rushed like an animal in late in the season, yeah, going to the 49ers, like you said, running back heaven, basically. You plug in any running back to that to that offense, and they're, they're, they're pretty electrifying. So Trey Sermon may be a busy backfield, but if he gets a chance, I, I, I would expect him to succeed in that backfield. Yeah, me too. I think him and Mozart, hand-in-hand, hand, I mean, that is a good running back tandem, and it seems like anybody you plug in there in San Francisco is going to run wild. So put a guy like Sermon in there. I'm excited to see what happens. But we'll definitely get to more of these sleepers kind of as we talk about some different topics because we're going to go into our winners and losers of the NFL draft. And we have a bunch of these. I definitely think this is going to be pretty fun, a fun segment type because I, I at least I, I feel like, Corey, I got pretty creative with some of these. But we'll start We'll start basic. We'll start with our teams first. Core, I want you to give, give me a couple teams that you really thought absolutely killed the draft and should kind of the 2021 NFL draft champions. I know it's only May. We haven't seen any of these guys play a snap in the NFL yet, but I mean, who, who do you feel like won the draft so far? Yeah. I mean, saying a team that, that won the draft honestly is, is pretty, is pretty difficult. I think a lot of teams did well. I think 
The Steelers getting Najee Harris at 24, I'm not going to call them the winner because it's a running back, but I think they addressed an obvious need. I know a lot of Steelers fans were happy with that. And I thought the New York Jets did did a good job. They they get Zach Wilson. They trade up to number 14 to get Elijah Vera Tucker. They take Elijah Moore in the second round, get their, get their guy another playmaker, then take even Michael Carter in the fourth round, running back out of UNC. So I think a lot of teams did well. And another winner, I'm going to say, the, the NFC East, I think Philly, they knew they weren't going to get uh, Devontae Smith if they stayed at the uh, was it 12th pick. Yeah, 12. at the 12th pick, yeah. If they, if they didn't trade up, they go up, go get Devontae Smith, a wide receiver desperately needed. I know it hasn't worked out, but after after the big three, it wasn't like a guy you could take in that position. And, yeah, the Cowboys getting Michael Parsons at number 12, I think arguably the best defensive player in this draft to get him at 12. And then, obviously, we know how the Giants did. So, yeah, those are those are some of my winners for uh, for this year's draft. I'm with you. I know you're a Jets fan. I think the Jets – also did a very good job in this draft. Um, I had to get their quarterback some help. I think Vera Tucker is the best interior offensive lineman in the draft. So get, going up to get him, I think, was a smart move. Then you take Elijah Moore early in the second round to give him another receiver. And, I mean, Elijah Moore, we've always talked about him. We kind of, like, kind of levitated to, like, watch a lot of Ole Miss this year because of how exciting they were. And then, yeah, Michael Carter in the fourth round. Then Michael Carter in the fifth round. So I think the real winner here are Jet fans named Michael Carter. Whoever, whoever is a Jet fan out there named Michael Carter, because now you got two guys on the team that share a name with you. Pretty impressive. But um, you said the NFC East. I'll go specifically to you. Didn't really, you said the Giants. I love what the Giants did. Take Darius Tony. They take Aziz Ojolari. They also pick up additional a first-rounder next year from a, te- from a Chicago team that, who knows, I don't think anybody would call Chicago a lock for the playoffs next year. So that pick could easily be on the right side of the first round for the Giants. And who knows, with Daniel Jones' contract, uh, not contract, but like, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's got, after this season, you have one more affordable year on his deal. And then they have to decide on his fifth year. If it's, it's kind of a make or break year for Daniel Jones. So, I mean, if he doesn't show that he's the franchise quarterback, now the Giants just have another asset to move up and go get a quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft. But yeah, they also add um, Aaron Robinson in the third round. I thought from a cornerback from UCF, he's an Alabama transfer, he played very well in man coverage, something that maybe now the Giants have a, like very big surplus now at cornerback. So I want to see how Patrick Graham uses that. But you mentioned that trade with the Jets moving up to 23. I think the Vikings also did a very good job in that trade. They moved back from 14 to 23, and they still take an offensive lineman that they desperately needed, Christian Darisaw, who I thought fell a little bit too much. But they also added the 66 and 86 pick in that draft. And they take Kellen Mond, who, listen, I'm not the biggest Kellen Mond fan, but, I mean, that's a guy, a developmental quarterback, and it's kind of like an extra pick. And then I pick 86. They also take Wyatt Davis, who's going to be a day-one interior starting lineman for them, which, again, I think is a very good value pick. And also in the third round, they took uh, Chaz Surratt, the linebacker from UNC. He's a guy who converted from quarterback to linebacker and then was an All-American linebacker. So, yeah, I thought the Vikings had a pretty sneaky draft. And uh, another team I'll, I'll – shed some light on I mean I don't necessarily think that this team was like I mean they're they're a big winner I don't really know what they did that was so spectacular because I feel like it kind of fell into their lap but the San Diego uh, Los Angeles Chargers excuse me taking Rashawn Slater at 13 they were lucky to have him fall they were definitely desperately needed an offensive lineman and then they take Asante Samuel a a cornerback which is also a big need on their team so yeah I think you could argue that um, that's another team that in the first and second round probably had as best of rounds as you could give them yeah, I uh, I agree with all that you said. Yeah, the Chargers getting Rayshon Slater at number 13, definitely great value. And then, yeah, Asante Samuel in the second round, a cornerback definitely of need. And then another another winner, I'd say, uh, I didn't mention him, obviously. I think the Chicago Bears trading up and uh, going getting their, their franchise QB because I think Justin Fields is the truth. I know they, uh, they gave up a future first-round pick, but I think, you know, when Justin Fields – is, uh, is tossing some touchdowns to to Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. They'll, they'll say it was worth the first round pick. So yeah, I think the Bears are another winner. And yeah, I uh, I agreed with with most of yours, especially especially I like the the Chargers one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Justin Fields is that talent that he's worth the first round pick. So 
I wouldn't I didn't say the Bears are specifically winners. I said the Bears fans are specifically winners because of what they went through the past couple of years, obviously with Mitch Trubisky passing him up. And then it just seems like they can't get the quarterback position right. And now they finally have an, another elite talent at quarterback. And hopefully Justin Fields can develop into their quarterback of the future. But also Tevin Jenkins getting him in the early second round is an absolute steal. I know they just caught today Charles Leno, who's been their left tackle for like the past six, seven years. So I just expect um, Tevin Jenkins to move to the left side and play, protect Justin Fields' blind side. So, I mean, again, you could argue that you get a franchise quarterback potentially and a franchise left tackle, a guy who Jenkins, I think, I expected. Like, uh, I think Brock's had their pick in our mock draft, and he took them at number 20. And I thought that was a pretty good spot for him in Chicago. So, yeah, I think that they really hit uh, their home run this draft. A couple, um, not necessarily teams that may have won the draft. I'll say, uh, again, like themes. Um, the reunited theme was all over the first round of the NFL draft. I mean, you had Jalen Waddell and Tua Tagovailoa reuniting in Miami, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and Travis, uh, Trevor, La- Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne back in Jacksonville. Core, out of those three duos, which one are you most excited to see? Uh, out of those, just let's say you kind of forgot Jalen Hurts. No, it doesn't count. Does not. I Listen, I don't count that because Jalen Hurts, because Smith was a freshman at the time. Like, yeah, um, like he was he was a sophomore on the team when he, like Smith was a sophomore when Hurts was the backup on that team. Like uh, Jalen Smith, uh, Jalen Smith, now I'm combining names. Jalen Hurts probably threw six balls to Devonta Smith that year. All right, that does not count in my book. All right, all right. That's a, that's understandable. I, but I'm, I'm, I, listen, I'm so, I saw it online somewhere where it was like, oh, they're reunited back. It's not, It would be completely different if Hurts was the one who threw the game-winning touchdown to Smith in the national championship. Yeah. That, then yeah. you could call them reunited back. But I just knew. I, I don't count it. I don't they're count on it. the not same roster, book. but they amongst they the were. ones you say, I mean, the one that I'm looking at most, I know uh, Joe Burrow's ACL. Might not be uh, I'm not saying it's, it might not be in a great condition after they they miss on uh Panay Sewell, but yeah, I mean Jamar Chase and and Joe Burrow I think's got to be the most in anticipated reunite reuniting of uh of college players. They were just so dynamic at L- LSU. I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do in the NFL despite not having a great O line, but and we'll see. If that'll come back to haunt the uh, the Bengals, but for now, you look on paper, you see a, a Jamar Chase, uh, Joe Burrow link up. I think that's got to be the most uh, exciting one of uh, the reunitings. Yeah, listen, I think if you take in a couple like 20 years from now, we start ranking um, iconic like QB to wide receiver duos in college. I mean, I think Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have to be on that list, especially because. Of how many touchdowns they threw, uh, Chase threw, Chase caught 20 touchdowns from him, I believe, that year. But, I mean, Chase was the Belintenkoff winner in the same year that uh, Joe Burrow won the quarterback award. I think it's Davey O'Brien and the Heisman Trophy award winner. You know what I mean? I mean, so then going into Cincinnati, I, I can't imagine what's going to happen with them. I mean, it's pretty cool to see these guys playing together at the next level. But you kind of did allude to one thing that's one of my losers I'll get to that in another thing before I say one of my winners but I, I, I agree with you I think Burrow and Chase is definitely going to be the most exciting to watch at this at the next level one last winner I have I don't know if you saw the clip on Instagram do you see Matt Rule uh Matt Rule's wife about the pick with Chuba, Chuba Hubbard, Hubbard. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 I think I think Matt Rule's wife is a winner because now she's made a selection in the NFL draft I think that's pretty funny though it, it is cool I think to see how like those college coaches now go from like the college game into the NFL and it's like literally it's like these guys played against each other like they played against each other at college like Matt Rule was like yeah I, I couldn't help like see you run all over me at Baylor and then not take you when I had the chance and like mm-hmm. Urban Meyer too like Urban Meyer I think he took Tyson Campbell with his first round pick in this with his first pick in the second round like that's a guy who we recruited out of Ohio State and didn't get in Ohio State but you know what I mean now he gets him in the NFL so I know he also reunited with um one of the tight ends from Ohio State, Luke Farrow, I think is his name. He took him late in the fifth round. So, again, it's kind of cool to see how, like, they come back to guys who they've really known now. If you really want to think about it, like, Urban Meyer knew probably some of these prospects for, like, almost five years now because he, when he recruited them coming out of high school, you know what I mean, four or five years, give or take. So, yeah, definitely, um, I think, a cool aspect of going from the college level to the NFL level, at least your first couple years. when you have, And, I mean, they do have the advantage on that. Like, Urban Meyer knows a lot more of Tyson Campbell's backstory. Like, 
history, you know what I mean, than a lot of other teams probably do in the NFL because of his former position at the Ohio State University. But, Core, let's get into some of the losers of the draft. I'll start first. You kind of stole the spotlight from it. But Joe Burrow's ACL, I think, is a loss in this because, listen, as cool as it's going to be to see Jamar Chase back with Joe Burrow, I don't get how you can pass on Penny Sewell. If Sewell wasn't like a surefire left tackle, I get it. But, I mean, I think this guy's almost as certain as you can get at the left tackle position. I think he's going to be an all-pro very early on in his career. I think that passing him up for a wide receiver is head-scratching, to say the least. And especially with a quarterback coming off an ACL injury, I just I don't love the move from that. So that's one of my losers. What about you? See, I'm going to go with a specific, a specific player in this, in this scenario. I think a loser has to be James Robinson. I mean, this guy mm-hmm. is got an undrafted rookie and puts up really good numbers I mean he didn't win offensive rookie of the year but I mean you could you could argue his numbers were capable of it and coming off a rookie year like that and the Jaguars go running back at at the end of the first round when there's a lot of other needs on that team I think that's uh I think Travis Etienne probably is going to be the the lead back. I, I honestly, unless he's more than just the receiving back, I, I just think, yeah, no, nah, they bring him in probably because of of Trevor Lawrence. So I think that that's tough for James Robinson. But one, not really a loser, but I think the, I'm not, I, in the first round at the time, I thought it was a loser. I thought it was the Green Bay Packers. They take Eric Stokes. I know that 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 is a need for your team. He's a very fast guy and, Kevin King got absolutely torched in the NFC Championship game, but when Aaron Rodgers was disgruntled as he is, and they and they went corner, it wasn't a great look. Even though they did go Amari Rodgers in, in the third round, who uh, I like out of Clemson, but yeah, I I I guess I'm not I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna call them a loser, but for the first round, I think I think they were a loser, and yeah, I think James Robinson is another loser. Yeah, I'll start with James Robinson first. James Robinson definitely would qualify if you asked me as a loser, especially because of how well I thought he played as an undrafted rookie. But a little clarity after the fact, um, Urban Meyer said that he kind of wants to use Travis Etienne, similar to how he used Percy Harvin and Curtis Samuel in college. And he did also say that he did want Kadarius Toney to play that type of role, which I think is kind of like throwing maybe Travis Etienne under the bus a little bit. But I think Toney would fit that role better of like the running back receiver hybrid role. So yeah, so maybe ETM, we still do see a lot of James Robinson, though, out on the field. But I definitely think the Packers are big losers, and especially because we'll get into it right after we finish like our draft recap almost, of just everything that happened to them around them. And now the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that all came up really on draft day, if you think about it. So I definitely think, I think honestly, you can label the Packers as the biggest losers. And then somehow they still don't go get a wide receiver until Amari Rodgers in the third round, which Amari Rodgers is good. But again, you had a lot of guys you could have went earlier in the draft. So I think that was head-scratching. Uh, they even took, like, a center, two from Ohio State, and they passed him up over Creed Humphrey, which I thought for sure, like, Creed Humphrey would be off the board, like, early second round. So for him to be there at, what was it, like, pick, like, 60 around, and the Packers passed him, I thought it was questionable for another center. But another guy who I thought was a loser in this draft, Dylan Moses. I mean, Dylan Moses, I even saw something. He was on, like, the cover of, like, ESPN, the Kids Magazine when he was 15 years old. Dylan Moses a couple years ago was a surefire first-round pick, maybe even a top-ten pick. Then he gets injured, I think, back-to-back years now, and a lot of medical concerns around him, and he falls out of the draft completely and goes undrafted. Uh, just kind of goes to show you, like, the craziness in football and why, like, maybe some people sit out a year, like, sit out a year. Obviously, COVID was another, like, the primary factor, but you know what I mean? Some of them sit out the year or they sit out in their bowl games because who knows, man, one injury can just change your future outlook like that. Like Dylan Moses does miss out on a huge payday. Whereas if he could have came out of the draft, maybe a year or two ago, he's probably going a lot earlier than he did. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I am not, um, like, I don't really know Dylan Moses that much. I know he's a, he, he was a linebacker at, um, Alabama, but yeah, when you could be a first round pick like that, a lot of times it's, it's it's pretty devastating, especially in a seven round draft to fall out of all seven rounds. Definitely, definitely devastating. I mean, I'm I'm a big basketball guy, so I can relate to that. Like, yeah, there's guys in their freshman year who who just uh, yeah, if they, yeah. they could have went out of high school, if they could have went right out of high school, like I know now we're getting a little like, 
like, like Trayvon Duvall is like one that comes to mind. I remember because like I, I'm like a Duke guy. You know what I mean? Like Trayvon Duvall, if he comes out of high school, probably a top ten pick that year. He goes to Duke and just doesn't oh, play well. Goes into the draft after and be, and goes undrafted. Yeah, and it's just like kind of a shame. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah definitely. A lot of guys. It happens to decent amount of guys and just guys that don't either get hurt or just don't reach their so-called potential that it was supposed to be. And yeah, definitely hurts to see. I think he got signed who by the the Jacks the Jaguars. As a as a free Dylan agent. Moses, yeah. yeah, maybe it's the Jaguars, either Jaguars or the or Washington. When Washington, no, 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 I think it is the Jaguars because Washington signed um the other guy who went undrafted, the guy from Buffalo, Jared Patterson, also went undrafted, which I thought was pretty crazy. Oh yeah, Jared Patterson, I saw that pickup by the Washington Football Team. I mean, this guy Patterson, what do you have like eight touchdowns in a game? Or, yeah, nah, that's crazy for him to go. Undrafted. I mean, I know it's not a top prospect, but to run like that, I mean, I think yeah, get him undrafted definitely good pickup by by the Washington Football Team. All right, and Cora, I'll kind of wrap it up with one last loser, and obviously you could go with more if you'd like. If you have any more, I'll go with guys who Raiders mocked mock drafters, like guys <laughs> who are kind of trying to make picks for the Raiders because I don't think anybody of them had Alex Leatherwood. At pick number 17. And yeah, even when Alex Leatherwood went at 17 too, I was like, oh, so Bama's definitely going to break the record now. Most first round picks and they tie it because Barnmore and Dickerson both fell out of the first round, which kind of stunk. You know what I mean? I mean, again, that could have just added to that argument of is 2020 Alabama the best college football team? If they had the most first round picks, they would have passed. Um, I think it was 2004 Miami or 2003 Miami's team, 2004 NFL draft. But yeah, uh, Listen, the Raiders always do their own thing on draft day. They try to pick guys who are like uh, like football guys. You know what I mean? John Gruden loves that. Leatherwood, definitely one of those guys. And he comes from a, a prestigious program like Alabama, something that they've tended to do a lot over the past years with Cleveland Farrell um, and that draft in 2019 that was. So, yeah, see how he fits out. They did a really good job in the second round taking uh, Trayvon Mowring from TCU, a really good safety who I thought was going to go in the first round to the Raiders. So if you just swap those two, I think that's a pretty good draft from them. But uh, yeah, you got any more losers or you want to move on to uh, kind of, I think the big story now in the NFL. Nah, I don't really have any more, more losers, but your, your last one though, the mock like drafters for the Raiders, especially in the first round. Like, yeah, you just can't get that right. Like you take clean Pharrell or whatever. How do you pronounce it? Yeah. And now you're taking Leatherwood, like neither one of these guys, I don't think anybody had those, Anybody in the mock drafts had the Raiders taking those guys. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty funny. I know Mike Mayock, John Gruden, they, they do their own thing. They love the, the high-character guys. So, yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on to, to the big news here. One last thing I want to say, too. I'm sorry now. Obviously now, poor Aaron Rodgers isn't getting enough time to shine. <laughs> but, um, like, Mike Mayock was, like, the draft analyst, really, on NFL Network. So I do think it's interesting, like, how maybe like front offices see people and like players versus how like television guys like or guys like not even like Mel Kiper and Todd McShay start rating their players. You know what I mean? There's definitely like, because there's a lot of guys that we see that like are necessary. Like Leatherwood, for example, I think for like the casual fan who's reading things from McShay and Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kiper that, you know what I mean? Like maybe that is a reach, but apparently like a lot of they talk to a lot. They talk to some teams. and Yeah, they had him in like the 20s to 30 range so it really wasn't that big of a reach so I do think that's interesting and I do think that's something maybe to note that when you necessarily are when we're talking about steals like from the NFL level like it wasn't really that much of a steal because that's how the NFL teams were evaluating them but that's enough draft talk we'll probably talk even more about the draft but obviously one of the best most exciting times of the year but I mean right before the draft an absolute bomb has dropped on us that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay and it's something that, like, it's been in the works for, like, really the past year now. And, yeah, I think it's something that – this is a legitimate threat, Corey. And I think the Packers – Packers fans should be terrified of this. Yeah, I mean, this guy – I mean, Deshaun Watson obviously really won out of uh, Houston. I mean, I just – I don't see how Aaron Rodgers could possibly get traded unless he just, like, says – yeah, I'm not. I'm not playing, but definitely should be terrified. I think. I know Rodgers. Rodgers definitely had the team this year to at least get to a Super Bowl and win it. 
but they have not really helped him a, a lot. I mean, you draft Jordan Love in the first round. You take a cornerback in the first round and everything going on, I guess he, he – they never take an offense – like an offensive player. And the one offensive player they take is, is Jordan Love. And, yeah, if you're a Packers fan right now, this is just not not good news. But, honest, in my opinion, at the end of the day, I, I still think he's going to be a Green Bay Packer starting next year. What do, what do you think? Ultimately, I think at the end of the day, I agree. And the reason why I say this, too, is I personally think if you look at the time that this came around, this did ju- this did occur on draft day, which you could look at it a couple ways. But one of the ways that I want to look at it and kind of focus on it is that it was kind of Rodgers' last chance with San Francisco at number three, for sure, taking a quarterback and a quarterback of their future. Aaron Rodgers is a San Francisco, like was born in California, San Francisco 49ers fan, went to school at uh, Cal Berkeley. I think Rodgers did want to be the quarterback in San and play on the West Coast with Kyle Shanahan. And I think that was like his last chance of maybe something happening. So I think by him, like, like all the stuff like leaking, I think he wanted, they did say too, he wanted the 49ers trade that they made that day to get accepted. So I think he really wanted to go to San Francisco, to be honest, because like I said, I think that's why it comes out that day because now that they have Trey Lance, San Francisco's done. You know what I mean? They're not trading. Trey Lance to Green Bay because Green Bay, if they're trading Rodgers, has Jordan Love. But I don't. If I had to say, do I think he ends up in? I think he ends up staying in Green Bay, but only just because it's so hard to trade quarterbacks of his like of his nature because of his value. You know what I mean? And just how can you give up on a guy as talented, as accomplished as Aaron Rodgers? But if we're to say like that relationship between him and the GM, I think Guttenhurst is the guy's name. Uh, is brutal, and he literally also said that he won't play unless they fire the GM, which could be we could be in for a standoff. We could be in for a decently long standoff between these two guys unless they figure it out. Apparently, they've been trying to figure it out all offseason. They've been meeting with Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers seems to be living it up. Obviously, he got engaged this offseason. He's been hosting Jeopardy, and Aaron Rodgers is pretty like long. I'd say to the point that like like he, he just like wants like. I don't know, like, he's just, like, he, maybe, maybe like, we see him too much as, like, going with the flow or stuff. But, like, he just wants – at the end of the day, I think Rodgers just wants to be respected. And, like, maybe he feels that, like, Green Bay – I mean, he definitely feels that Green Bay doesn't respect him. And I think that Green Bay picking the quarterback last year, if you asked me, was them seeing that maybe Rodgers only had two years or so, or so left. And they just got com- – like, their plans completely blew up in their face when Rodgers had an MVP year. Because, listen – if Rodgers regressed a little bit from 2019 to 2020, people would be saying that, like, yeah, maybe Jordan Love wasn't that brutal of a pick, especially if they had a first-round grade on Jordan Love and they think he's going to be a eventual successor. But when Aaron Rodgers has an MVP season, I think that, like, if Green Bay would have went out then and traded Jordan Love in the offseason, I would have been like, look, we messed up. Aaron's still our guy. That Maybe they could have saved that relationship with Aaron Rodgers. But I don't know. I think it's pretty hard now at this point. I think it's, like, to the point of no return now, like kind of remaking this relationship. And I think there's a real, I honestly do believe now I kind of contradicted myself a little bit, but I do believe that there's a shot that Aaron Rodgers does end up on a different team. And apparently we were a lot closer than we think to having that happen on draft day. Apparently there was a lot of rumors about that, but if he were to go to a different team, where do you think he's going? See, I know you put out the 49ers, the, the Raiders in the Broncos. And quite frankly, if if it if it's amongst those three teams, I'd I'd love to see him on the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos, like I wanted them to take a quarterback like Justin Fields. I think they have have a good team. I think if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Denver Broncos somehow, they, they instantly become an AFC contender. In the AFC West, gets a lot more a lot more interesting. If he goes to the if he goes to the to the Broncos, the loser is the AFC West with the, the Raiders and probably the Chargers. And that, that, that division gets bolstered a lot. And, I, yeah, I think he goes to the Broncos. That'd be a really interesting scene. He, he comes over to the AFC. He's in a, he's in a division with Patrick Mahomes. That would be that would be must-see TV, in my opinion, to see. We, we get Rodgers, Mahomes two times a year. I, I would love to see. If he's going to go anywhere, I'd, lo- I'd love to see him go to the Broncos. 
yeah, Rogers Mahomes twice a year, and we get Rogers um Justin Herbert twice a year. That'd be insane, man. Yeah, I disrespect. But, yeah, I think. <laughs> nah, I mean, I think Denver's a realistic spot, and I think another thing that kind of tips your hand at. There were still reports. I know Denver did get Teddy Bridgewater, but there were still reports that Denver did like Justin Fields, and Denver passed him up on. They didn't even have to move up for him. They did pass up Justin Fields, so maybe they think they're a lot closer to getting Aaron Rodgers than we do, and that's why they did pass him up. But I think, I mean, if if they if they have a shot, I think they have to definitely go for it. I saw like a mock trade that like if Denver gives up three future ones and Jerry Judy, like. Do do you think the Packers say yes? And I think that honestly, I think it's there's an argument to be made if you're the Packers. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I think if you think Jordan Love's ready to play and you really believe that you have the right guy, Jordan Love, I mean, this is the exact type of move that gets you absolutely fired and loses you half your fan base if it fails. But if it works, you look like an absolute genius. So I think it would be something to definitely think about if that were on the table. But yeah, I think Denver is the realistic um spot for Rodgers. But interesting spot is New Orleans with um, Sean Payton and taking over kind of you go from Drew Brees and then you get Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers played in cold, windy Lambeau field all of his career. And now he gets to call the Superdome his home. I think that'd be an awesome place for him to go play. Again, I don't know how the Saints would get under the cap to do that. But with Taysom Hill's $140 million fake contract, they could figure anything out. But um, yeah, what about... Like, like Vegas, if you ask me, I think it's just like a bad like – I, I don't know why he'd want to go to Vegas. I think it would be cool with John Gruden and Aaron Rodgers. But I think if you go to Vegas, you're definitely the third best team in that division. Like, I, I, like you know what I mean? I, I don't think that's a good spot. Like, I think, I think playing in the AFC West would be pretty tough because you have Mahomes. And obviously, Rodgers is better than Herbert. But you do also have Herbert who's another elite quarterback in that division. But – so if you get a roster like Denver's, who Denver has a very low-key roster, if you fill in their quarterback spot with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, that, that's a Super Bowl roster, if you ask me, honestly, talent-wise. I mean, some of the guys are a little young. They need to develop. But if you put him on, like, the Raiders roster, I still don't think that team is, like, Super Bowl ready. No, I agree. I think the Raiders are not like the Broncos. I think the Broncos have good skill guys, but they also have a good defense, and the Raiders – necessarily aren't there on both sides of the ball. Like, you put Rodgers on that offense, they're probably, I'd say, a top five offense in the league. But I think that defense, like, Rodgers obviously will make that team really good, but I don't think they become, like, a true contender just because their defense is not as good as, like, the Broncos or even, like, the New Orleans Saints. I don't think, like, the Raiders' defense is – not not good at all. So I think that would uh that would hold him back. And I don't think at at this age he definitely wants to get a ring somewhere. I don't think that'd be the place to go in uh, Las Vegas. With you on that, but let's kind of wrap it up. Uh, this is definitely something that now we got something more to talk about because this is something that we're gonna watch very closely and how it unfolds. But I'll kind of like finish this part off by let like I'd hope that Aaron Rodgers does finish his career in Green Bay as much as I'd love to see him maybe play in Denver with under John Elway and with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Ultimately, I know they said that Bart Starr and Brett Favre both only played 16 years in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is going into his 17th season. So it's like, will he be the first one to play 17 years? Ultimately, I do hope Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. I hope he finishes his career in Green Bay because I personally like to see those like quarterbacks finish their career with like the same team that they started with. You know what I mean? Few exceptions, but ultimately what about, what about you? You want to see Rogers still in green Bay throwing, throwing touchdowns to Devonte Adams? Yeah. I'd rather, I'd love for him to stay in green Bay and uh, go chase uh, another, a second ring for himself. But yeah, now nah, I was saying if there was a place I'd love to see him go, it is to Denver. But if I had the choice, I'd rather him, rather him just stay. And I, I'd like to see him win. One more ring before uh, he calls it a career. And if he got that in Green Bay versus somewhere else, I think it'd be uh, a whole lot more special. So, yeah, I'd definitely love to see him stay with the Packers. Well said, well said. I think everything that now, like, it seems that he's going to have to kind of overcome now with Green Bay. You know what I mean? Like, it would almost make winning a championship in Green Bay that much sweeter that like he was able to figure out, like, this problem, whereas, like, I mean, it's crazy. Like, if you want to start arguing Rodgers is like the best quarterback of all time, 
I'm not going to say this is like a huge, this is like a pretty decent hurdle in his career. You know what I mean? That if he could like come off this and still win a Green Bay and like in, like in Green Bay, you know what I mean? People could be like, well, Brady, when it got difficult with Belichick, left to Tampa. You know what I mean? He might have won, but he left. At least Rodgers like stuck in there and figured it out. Listen, I don't think that's an apples to apples comparison, but it's a little more ammo for really pro Rodgers goat talk. You know what I mean? Not yet. I think. Hey, Rodgers, he wants to be. The, I he I don't think he could possibly be the goat, but yeah, he wants to go down as a, as a top top quarterback of all time. I think could be. I think it'd be a lot more better on his legacy to to stay in Green Bay. I know Brady left, but he had six rings before before he went to Tampa. It's a whole I different. Think he, I think he proved himself just enough. Yeah, yeah that's that, that's a little bit of a whole different situation. It was a little, little is it kind of like levels to it? And yeah, Brady, I'm not talking about pure talent, but yeah, the guy had six rings. He he could have did what he wanted. He stays in Tampa. I mean, he stays in New England. He's the goat anyway. He wanted to wanted to challenge himself. Go to go to the NFC. He wins a ring. So yeah, I think it's a little different between the two. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But listen, another top five quarterback you could argue in the NFL. I mean, Rodgers. They said that. Like, I don't know. I don't think it'll get to the point where Rodgers that whole like hold out and not play. But it was it was seeming like the last we really heard from Deshaun Watson in their case that with the Texans that he didn't want to play. And now it's like there's Adam Schefter's reporting that they're like Deshaun Watson. Well, he might not even have the choice if he wants to play because he might be like like maybe suspended or put on like the commissioner's list. And I mean, with Davis Mills being drafted by the Texans, which I low key think was a really good pick is Davis Mills, a guy from Stanford a former number one overall quarterback recruit in a class that contained Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, Mac Jones was also in that class. There was another good quarterback in there. Who was it? Um, can't even remember. I know Hunter Johnson was the second quarterback in that class. Not a real good quarterback, but uh, um, yeah, but like I said, Mills has immense upside. And I feel like that's, again, like they're tipping their hand a little bit that, I mean, you're going to, the Texans, that was their first pick of this draft. They did not have a first round pick or a second round pick. You need it, and you have one of the worst rosters in the league. You need help on that team. And what do you do? You go take a, a developmental quarterback. I think it kind of tips your hand at what Deshaun, what the future of Deshaun Watson may hold. But uh, I think it all depends. Like you know what I mean? Like is he even going to play in twenty twenty one? But that's listen. That's not really for us to decide. That's really not for us to predict either. You know what I mean? We can't, we can't predict it. That's the NFL's decision. But we can like kind of comment on like, do you think that like kind of Mills getting picked and everything that's been with Deshaun Watson that he ever takes another snap in a Texans uniform. Honestly, uh, I, I don't think Deshaun Watson does take another snap in Houston. I think he he was even more bad than like Aaron Rodgers is right now. And for him to have all these issues going on, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think if he, if he takes a snack somewhere else, I think it's going to be elsewhere. I don't think, I think Deshaun Watson has played his last game in uh, in Houston, in my opinion. Yeah, I listened. A couple months ago, I think I probably said on here, at least that's what I think, like that there's no – I don't think that Deshaun Watson ultimately does get traded because, again, trades like this for the, this ta- that talent of co- at the quarterback position just don't happen you know, because of how much you have to give up. Like you're never going to get equal value in that trade because of how – like Deshaun Watson, you can't, you can't put a price tag on him, how good he is. But, yeah – that relationship seems like it's forever gone. It seems like that's Rodgers right now times 10. So, yeah, but if Rodgers – now, this is getting a little crazy. This is hypothetical talk before you wrap everything up. If Rodgers goes to the Broncos, right? Now, that's another team now that has a set quarterback position in, with Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson's on the block, what what team even becomes a suitor for Deshaun Watson? Like, where do you see Deshaun Watson going? Oak, uh, I said them again. Vegas? Uh, like. Carolina, obviously they have Darnold and they did just pick up his option, but I mean it's not locked in. Like who who else realistically could go after Deshaun Watson? All right, now if he goes to to, to Vegas somehow, like that just wouldn't be fair. Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers, like that's that's just not fair. Four those are four of probably top ten quarterbacks. I think Herbert soon if will that, be top if, five. If that's the case, AFC West defenses are the ultimate loser of this offseason. Ultimate <laughs> loser. Definitely. I mean, that just wouldn't wouldn't be fair. But I think you're saying a suitor has got to be the Washington football team. Oh, I, I forgot about them. The Washington football team. I mean, 
right now at the quarterback position. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke. You're in a division pretty wide open. You go get Deshaun Watson. You become the uh, you become the favorites in that division, in my opinion. I definitely would become the favorites in my in that division. And with you saying that now, now putting pieces together, I kind of hope that Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Let's go get some coffee and let's figure this out because I do not want to see Deshaun Watson in Washington. Oh man, that would not be good at all. And yeah, I mean, that, that's a team that is like that next up. I don't think Rogers would. Have, Rogers kind of wants to go out west, so I don't think that's why he's been like linked. But oh man, no, no, that can't happen. <laughs> So we'll leave off on that, that no, that can't happen. But that's going to do it for our NFL Draft recap episode and kind of recap the Aaron Rodgers situation. Uh, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball. I'm not sure how often now we're going to get on the podcast now to really kind of get into like the slower parts of the offseason. But we're definitely going to probably try to get on here once every week, once every 10 days or something. We're going to start getting into our new segment, two of like our top so-and-so at each position. I'm not sure how close we're going to do that towards the season or something. But, uh, yeah, Corey, is there anything you'd like to leave off with? No, not really. Just, uh, yeah, good good, good, uh, good episode speaking about the draft. And, and yeah, just stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll come up with some, uh, some eventful episodes to, to get out there to, to our listeners. Yeah, no doubt. And, listen, comment on our post, too. We didn't touch on every single team in the draft, but, listen, we, we know the picks. And we have feelings about some of the picks. I know I was going to try to get something maybe up on the, our website, too, about, like, certain teams and a team-by-team preview. But, yeah, let us know, and we'll, we'll let you know our takes on that. You know what I mean? Kind of interact with us. But, uh, yeah, be sure to check us out on the Instagram, at the underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.